computer. Oh, there we go. We're recording. Are okay. we? Oh, we're being recorded. Record. Okay. Clap, clap. I'm ready when you are, Rebecca. We can begin. I'm Julia. I'm Rebecca. I'm Taye. And you're listening to In the Queue. Welcome to episode four. Today, we will be talking about the ever-present, ever-important cultural phenomenon of the rom-com, the romantic comedy, a genre of movie that, um, you know, we've really been doing some intense research on over the past, I would say, week, starting at the beginning of this week. Um, so yeah, we, just as a little background... From the beginning of this week to now, all of us have watched, each of us has watched three movies. We've watched 10 Things I Hate About You, which came out in 1999, Legally Blonde, which came out in 2001, and together on Netflix Party, we all watched The Kissing Booth, which came out in 2018. Um, and then we've each watched, you know, our our selection of other rom-coms over the course of the the previous 18 years of our lives. So... First off, we're going to get into, you know, we have many interesting things to talk about this episode. Do, do not fear. But I really think we just need to start with, you know, very base level. Of those three movies, we just got to start with favorites. What was your favorite? What was your least favorite? Why? Uh, for me, my favorite, well, it's a bit of a, a two-part of for favorite. I think overall... Legally Blonde is iconic. I love that movie. I think it's great. Um, it has so many iconic and amazing lines. But um, of the movies I had not seen, Ten Things I Hate About You was definitely my favorite. That was a real surprise, heavy hitter for me. Like I was watching, I was like, "Oh, I'm enjoying this. I I don't hate it. I I liked um, the coupling of I am blanking on their names, but." Uh, the the ones who the guy who was paid to go out with her like that main pairing I I really liked them like I was looking at them I was like I don't I think Patrick Patrick Patrick, and Cat and Cat Cat. I really liked them um I really liked Cat's character I thought she was like you know very like you know powerful she had a way with words she knew what she was about and I felt like at the end she didn't really change she was just like in a relationship with him and I thought that was something I really enjoyed and something I look for in romantic comedies um so that that would so that's kind of my answer to favorite least favorite I guess there's only one left but it's also the clear least favorite on my list is the kissing booth um that that's just not a a I just don't think that's it's a good just not a good movie. Like I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I was obviously watching it over Netflix party so we could see each other's reactions, but it's just it's the type of movie you watch with friends so that you can all make fun of it together. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my thoughts. Okay, my favorite was definitely Legally Blonde. I would have to say my least favorite was actually the 10 things I hate about you. Maybe I'll be converted during this episode. I'm like kind of getting ready to be converted. But it was just because I've seen The Kissing Booth before. And I 
like watching it on Netflix party made it more fun because then we could roast them together. Like it was, I could, making fun of the movie was a communal experience. Whereas there were a lot of points that I was frustrated with in 10 Things I Hate About You. And I was like taking notes to make sure I remembered things. And I think that also made it stressful, but I just didn't like it as much because it, it made it more stressful for me rather than like uplifting of a funny movie or something i would say legally blonde was probably my favorite although okay hot take maybe we'll talk about this later i don't know that i would classify it as a rom-com like yeah sort of yes but also it was just so different from 10 things i hate about you and the kissing booth um and i also like 10 things i hate about you especially for coming out in 1999 like i feel like nowadays it would be that would be like a whole statement that whole like the each of the characters but i think especially for coming out then um what each of those characters represented i thought was interesting the kissing booth was far and away my least favorite i really did not enjoy it i mean it was entertaining because i was watching it with other people but the combination of like just it just it just did not do it for me. Also in the kissing booth, like if we're just talking about personally why I wasn't a fan <laughs> of the movie. Um, I mean, there's a lot of reasons. And some of it we'll get into like the tropes talks that we'll get into probably in a moment. But the whole, they were so hung up on how important this kissing booth was. I was like, I'm not- this booth was not that significant. No. I'm so why was sorry. Why Also, like- what was that <laughs> definitely not a year-end recap for most of the school. Like, the kissing booth was definitely not that, that important. Only so on the funny. kissing booth at that carnival. Best part of this whole year. Best no one has good memories. <laughs> we had to recreate the booth. For context, like, the way we chose it, like, uh, Rebecca mentioned how Legally Blonde, like, kind of isn't a rom-com. And so, for context, we got these movies from lists of rom-coms, but... We so so we did try to find them, but we did. I mean, now we kind of realize Legally Bond is a little bit less of a rom com, but that's how we decided. So before we get into the rest of the episode, though, it did just occur to us. Um, we'll give like short, brief descriptions of each of these movies. Um, if you want more information, you can just Google it. We're going to try to avoid spoiling things. I don't think that should be that difficult over the course of our conversations. But if you're really, really concerned about it, maybe watch some movies and then come back to the episode. But honestly, you should not be that concerned about it. So to start, well, actually, let's just do it in the order that they came out, because why not? So, Julie, you want to start? Okay, so 10 Things I Hate About You. So 10 Things I Hate About You, I actually learned, we, we all learned, was based on, um, it's a retelling of Taming of the Shrew. Um, is Tammy of the Shoes? That, that's the name of the film, yeah. the book, right? Yeah. Um, play. So, pl- yes, play. Um, uh, Taming of the Shoe. Uh, and it essentially follows this girl named Kat, who's like this independent woman. Um, and she, it follows her because her sister wants to date, but her dad has a rule that her younger sister can't date unless Kat also dates. So, her, um, the boy who's interested in the younger sister pays another dude to, well, technically he pay, gets someone else to pay him, but that's irrelevant. Um, I mean, it is relevant, just not to this plot synopsis. Uh, to pay another guy, uh, Patrick, 
to take Cat out on a date. And obviously you can guess the, sh- the shenanigans that go on. She finds out, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, all that jazz. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, Legally Blonde is basically this, um, you know, this white blonde sorority girl. And she has this boyfriend who, you know, dumps her pretty early in the movie um, because he says he needs, you know, he needs someone more serious. He's looking at his career aspirations and he's heading off to Harvard Law School and he just can't do this, you know, this, this relationship with this woman anymore. So then, the, what's her name? I can't remember her name. Elle Woods. Elle Woods. Elle Woods. Oh, big fact. So then L. wait, so there are two L's. Why is everyone named L? L is in the kissing booth too, isn't she? Oh, that's true. Okay, anyway, so the L of Legally Blonde is then like, well, challenge accepted, and she gets herself into Harvard Law School, and then, again, you can imagine the shenanigans that follow with that. And then the the kissing booth is basically about this girl, also named L, um, and she's best friends with a brother, and then that, or she's best friends with someone, and that guy's brother um is like the heartthrob of the school the heartthrob like douchebag of the school so i don't i don't know if those are mutually exclusive (laughs) but um and they have so her and her best friend have a rule about like not dating family members and well you can imagine what happens (laughs) there's a lot of you can imagine we're trying not to spoil it you can just look at the trailer we'll say that Go look up these movies, look at the trailer, yeah. you'll get the sense of but what they're about. But also sometimes things are kind of predictable. I mean, it's probably predictable because I've seen so many, like, rom-coms, but also, yeah. like, they're kind of just predictable. But also, in the kissing booth, we're watching, and one of us would, like, literally, none of us had seen the movie, and I had Netflix party. Oh, you movie. had? Yeah. Oh, my bad. Oh, yeah, you did. You said yeah. that. You no, said but that. go ahead. Yeah. Anyway, so the way Netflix party works is it has, like, this little... You get this little chat thing, and then you're all watching the movie at the same time. So one of us would, like, type a line that was about to come up. Like, we hadn't seen the movie. We didn't know this line was about to come up. And then, lo and behold, like, 30 seconds later, it said, like, word for word what one of us had just typed. So definitely predictable. And the thing is, a lot of the things we'll be talking about are, like, general themes or things that are said of rom-coms. So this... Like, even if you don't know the specific plot of these movies, like, that's that's fine. Okay, so to jump right into it, of course, the first thing, when we were thinking about this episode, we were thinking about, like, it would be interesting because um, there's just, like, so much in the idea of a rom-com. There's, like, we know that there are sort of things wrong with it and things we need to be critical of, but at the same time, we we like the royal we still enjoy watching them um so we're gonna start with like some of the sort of tropes and and questionable themes across um rom-coms in general using those three as sort of bases and also uh anything else we've seen um so we have a lot of different topics here and we'll just start get right into it you know one of the biggest things in these movies, which is one of the reasons we picked like such a like different movies over from 1999 to 2018, 
is gender. And a lot of these women, a lot of these movies have women as their protagonists. Um, and we'll touch on this a little bit later too, but also are uh, heteronormative in general, but it's usually a woman chasing a man. So there's a lot to do with gender. Like that's a big question. We can just start like generally, like over these three movies and just in general, how are women portrayed? And and we can talk about men too. How are men portrayed also? Um, and like sort of what does that, what does that entail? That's I think where we should start. A little A little feminist lens on this one. We watched movies that only had female protagonists, and I think that sometimes changes how people are perceived. Um, I think it also changes how people are perceived when, uh, depending on who's chasing who, like, I think in some movies it's the man pursuing the woman, and sometimes it's the woman pursuing the man, just um, non-dependent on uh, who the protagonist necessarily is. Um, And I think that kind of changes the perspective. I think... When I was watching these, I noticed a lot of stereotypes, and some of them were clearly there because it was, like, to make fun of the stereotype, but I would say they didn't always do that effectively. Um, A lot of the, like, recurring stereotypes that I noticed were, like, girls as mean, as moody. There were all, like, a lot of these had other girls being very, like, mean, and this idea that, like, girls are competing against each other or girls don't like each other, either they're competing, mostly competing for, like, male attention, and then also, like, what, every time a girl, like, said something with confidence, like, people cast down her, which is, like, a reality of the world in some ways, but in other ways, it's, like, continuing that narrative, so, I don't know, that, like, there has to be a balance struck between, like, being you know, real and not sugarcoating, like, what women put up with, but also if we continue to tell every story that, like, strong women, like, are always seen as moody, emotional, or just, like, crazy for standing up for themselves, then, like, that's a problem, too. It's it's kind of a double-edged sword that I noticed. Yeah, and um, also with that, like, one thing that I think is really interesting is like the whole thing of within a lot of rom-coms a common trope is the love triangle um that often occurs and it's different sometimes it's two men and a woman or two women and a man but when usually when it's two women and uh, a single man there is this pitting of women against each other for uh the uh affection of this of this guy uh if we're thinking about like legally blonde like it's it's i would say not as clear no like clearly it's a love triangle i want to say that but like it it changes at the end well like they'll actually like friends like but there is that whole tension between the two uh, from the beginning, which I think, I mean, I think has a bit more to do with than just the, the boy. I think it also has to do with them being in law school and one of the women being really competitive, but it also is like a part of this broader landscape of they're both competing. They'll both have eyes for this one guy. I always get frustrated when I'm like, 
you guys can be friends just because you guys like the same person doesn't mean you need to be so mean to each other. Like, that's kind of annoying, but... I think one other thing I noticed um, specifically about gender, um, I know we're kind of transitioning to relationships. So one thing I noticed about gender is I felt like in each of the movies, like femininity was like a negative thing to it. Like, I don't know, in Legally Blonde, like that was supposed to hurt her that she was feminine. And that was, that was something that was interesting because it's like, it's supposed to be empowering and like it's kind of empowering that she used the femininity for her success but also to like the idea that her femininity is a negative i like i would not be surprised if that were an issue at harvard law 20 years ago but that it it like sets up like it teaches girls that like femininity like isn't always going to help you and like it is true that the court case that is given and like, like the way she solves it, like that is not the way a normal court case is solved. Not and even like, close. Like, <laughs> like realistic, like realistically, it was supposed to be empowering, but it like there was nothing realistic about that ending. And so in that way, it like still like sat with me at the end of the movie that oh, like femininity is something you have to overcome or something that makes it harder to operate in the world if you are feminine because that's inherently like makes you dumber or something i don't know and like you can be empowered as a woman but only if you make yourself closer to being a man yeah i agree i agree but i think i slightly push back on that like i understand obviously how the court case was solved just not how an actual court case would be solved um but i think one thing that was I, I always think about with Legally Blonde is the fact that she it's how people perceive her, um, which is the issue. It's not like the actual femininity that's the issue. Um, and like she is obviously really small. She's obviously really feminine, but I never really think of her as becoming more like a man or having more male traits throughout the movie um I think of it more as her just like still being feminine but like doing like the work she needs to do to like succeed um which is at least how I take it but I do understand like and maybe like because I obviously did not uh watch this immediately before coming here I'm forgetting like a specific tone that shift tonal shift in the movie um where that's like how you would take it but I think for me I I've just I personally haven't taken it that way I think there's definitely validity to that I would say the thing that like stuck with me was even at the end when she was giving like the graduation speech or whatever she was very easy to make fun of at that point still and to me it seemed like that was because of her femininity and maybe that's like a projection of like my something onto the movie but to me it was still like it was hard to take her seriously in her graduation speech and maybe that says something about what I've been taught about femininity and less about the movie but it still struck me as like that still was wasn't helping her be like being taken seriously yeah so I think there's there's definitely like a lot there also just like how how few gender identities are 
are uh, portrayed in rom-coms and I think in general something doesn't feel like maybe this is just for me but I feel like the way uh, sort of the press reacts to movies is it doesn't feel like a true you know like basic rom-com if it's outside of the traditional formula of cis man and cis woman um which is just like a uh, something something that occurred to me but it also brings in uh, sort of is a nice segue into um relationships and obviously a rom-com is built around a relationship that's what the that's what the point of the of a romantic, romantic comedy part. is <laughs> exactly um but they're they're definitely idealized relationships um, and again, the feeling of like this is like a basic core rom com comes when it's like an idealized relationship. Um, and I don't know, is that like it? I my my gut instinct is that that's harmful in some way. Um, but yeah, does anyone have more specific reactions on that? Yeah. Um, one thing about rom coms is. And this kind of goes beyond rom-coms. It's, like, even just how relationships are portrayed in, like, regular TV shows or, like, whatever. Um, is it's... I'm watching how sometimes they're formed and I'm like, that seems really toxic. Like, how they got together, how they were pursued, um, how they relate to each other within the relationship. And it's, like, really frustrating. Like, for example, in... um, the kissing booth i'll start with that one um the what is his name the older brother does, Flynn? Uh, noah. Flynn, noah 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 flynn. flynn um he was just like he was control he was beating up other guys so that no one would take her out like and then they got to get like that's so like controlling and i was like what and we're idealizing that we're saying like yeah like go get him like what yeah that's a great plan also it was super weird because he was protecting them and the first time when she found out like noah wasn't letting her or wasn't letting any of the guys like date her or anything like he said oh it's because you're like a little sister to me like i can never do that and it's like to turn that into a relationship it's like particularly weird it's yeah it's like like what I that's such a weird framework to set it set it up as and it's like and then I'm like I, that's how it starts and I'm like I can't root for this like I, I feel like I can't like sit here and be like oh yeah because I feel like I'm rooting for the relationship I'm rooting for like you know if you want to go beat up other, everyone else who would be interested in her so that she only has one choice but to date you like that did not sit with me Right. I also felt like some of his behaviors once they were like actually with each other were kind of like, uh, um, and I was like, mm, maybe like walk on your angle a little bit. Um, which I know he was talking about like, oh, he got help, and after a while he was like, anger management. Yeah, <laughs> he was. He wasn't. He wasn't doing it as bad. But like the scene while she's like running away crying on like the beach and then he like slams the car and is like get get in the car i was like that would make me scared it wouldn't make me feel protected yeah yeah i definitely agree 
Um, yeah, and continuing off of that, like the the idea that I feel like the way it is portrayed, like being overly protective and kind of like blocking off other people from pursuing a given like woman is seen as romantic like that's supposed to be so and i see like how that pervades through culture like on tiktok there's like some audios where girls like purposely wear more risque outfits or like like shorts that are super short and they'll like to a certain song like how to like like twerk or do something with their butt and it's you know like do whatever you want like but these videos then the next thing that happens is like boyfriends like run over and like take them out of the frame and it's supposed to be cute like oh he's protective he didn't want me like that's not cute if that's what you want to do it like how is that hurting your relationship that like that's not cute so i can like i see how this idea of being of men being overly protective like clearly has like real world impacts and implications in real relationships and when julia was talking about the kissing booth like it made me think about like the way a rom-com works at least to me my understanding is the way a rom-com works is really the way anything any sort of movie or book or anything like that works is if you're connected to the characters like if you feel connected to the characters you're going to be rooting for them to be happy and at least the general formula is that the relationship is going to make them happy. So then you're rooting for the relationship. But if the entire relationship is based off something that you don't believe in, like that, that cannot be a successful story. And I think with the kissing booth, especially like there was just, I think they were trying to make it complicated, but really it just made it like confusing and annoying. Like I don't watch, there's this quote, I was reading this article and So I was about to say, like, I don't watch a rom-com to, like, think deeply about... Like, I watch a rom-com to be entertained. Like, there are movies and things I read to think deeply. And rom-coms are not one of those things. And this, this, um, this quote from this article... It said, um, naysayers of romantic comedies say they're inconsequential or even damaging because they're cliched and traditionally exclusionary. By the way, that's pretty much exactly what we just said. So, you know, um, my extremely cold take is that everything doesn't need to be revolutionary, although art will always be political, nor does it need to teach some huge moral lesson to be worthwhile, which that last part, I definitely like, that's sort of what I agree with. Like, if... Like, don't, they, with the kissing booth, they had, like, the friend and the boyfriend, and it's supposed to be complicated, and you feel bad for this person and good for that. But, like, just give me, like, some times to laugh, some times to feel happy, some times to feel sad, and, like, you got a great movie. And I also just wanted to add about the kissing booth. The whole premise of the kissing booth made me... Like, I don't know whether that, well, I, I don't know. Maybe that used to be a thing. Maybe that's still a thing. Like, I don't know. Wait, what but is the, the that? Idea, oh, the kissing booth. A kissing oh, oh. booth. <laughs> like a kissing booth at a carnival. Just, it just like, it, it just set off every alarm bell I've been taught to maintain. Like, it, like blindfolding, kissing, no choice. 
the line thing and then they tried to have that whole like moment where the boy gets in the boy's line as if that like all of a sudden makes the movie like ready for 2020 like I don't know that the whole it just the whole thing just did not and and Julia's right like if I felt uncomfortable the whole time so I didn't feel like I wanted to be rooting for what was happening um I think something that I also am noticing as like we progress in this conversation is also when we talk about like the messages that are being sent about relationships are like the need for a relationship, especially like most of these are supposed to be in high school. I mean, Legally Blonde is in law school, clearly. Um, But like, you know, it's nice that she ended up with the like the lawyer that helped her or whatever. But like, it's also like, why does she need a relationship? Like, well, because otherwise like, it wouldn't be a rom com, though. So, like, that's by true. okay, you have a rom-com, it has to be, but it, yes, I guess to fit the category of rom com, it has to be. But, like, I just it, it feels like in all these movies, like, the girls have a desire for a relationship, and it's like you, like, when you come of age, you have to have a relationship, and like, I guess that's like the like that's how the genre is made but i don't feel like there's many movies to contrast that to like say like like even in the movies where girls are supposed to be like strong independent they always end up in a relationship which is like not necessarily like a bad thing but it's just like i don't feel like there's many movies that tell a narrative of like oh you actually don't have to be in a relationship the moment you hit puberty like that like that that seems that seems like something i also oh also on the kissing booth um i would say that i i think part of the point of it was to like with the brother situation was to show that like you can have a girl guy like friendship even when they're straight and that it doesn't have to be romantic but it still like rubbed me the wrong way because ultimately like even though he was like just a friend he was still trying to control her like and i understand like we make childhood promises like that like uh like you won't date my brother or sister or whatever like I, like i don't have any experience with these things um so i don't know but like i know that like in real life like people don't want other people to date their siblings cuz that, that can be kind of weird but it just felt like it was overly to the point where like they wanted so hard to say that like friendship first that he was still controlling her and that was still unsettling and the, the end of the movie didn't say friendship for like i guess it sort of did but but like not really no you're right not really. <laughs> it was like he was like yeah i mean you i guess you could argue because he was like he got over it and he went and told his brother like you should go and pursue this goal but it's like he, he should have been doing that from the the beginning also he was like he was like like, you can finally make your own decisions you're welcome like yeah (laughs) that that was kind of that was definitely another thing that was annoying um and this one wasn't necessarily controlling but like in kind of shifting movies um but to 10 things i hate about you um the guy who was interested in cat's younger sister um not the rich dude, the like her twin. Regular. They were twins. I was wondering that too. I don't oh, think they twin? were twins. No, they. She was. I don't think that was. 
I was also that thinking was about that. What? I think Cat was older. Yeah. That was older. I, I also thought I they were twins for like a significant portion of the movie. Because she was going to college and the other girl was like, oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the other girl was a sophomore. She was like, I was the only sophomore. I'm the only sophomore prom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, what? Isn't your sister a sophomore? <laughs> oh, that makes so much more sense. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. But yeah, but the that boy, I really can't think of his name. Um, But uh, he, what got me about him was... I mean, besides the fact that you would, like, pay someone to date someone else, um, which is kind of, like, weird, obviously, um, was, I felt like he... Joey. Joey. Are we he talking felt, about... No, the, Joey's no. the actress. Joey's the, the witch guy, name. isn't he? Joey is the one who planned to have sex with Bianca that night. Like, that's why he did the thing. No, Cameron's, Cameron's the witch guy. Cameron's the Not kid the witch you're guy. thinking of. Oh, we're talking Cameron. about Cameron. The French, Cameron. the guy who learned French. Yes, Cameron, the guy who learned French. Um... He, I felt like he felt felt like he was really entitled to receiving affection from the younger sis- sibling because he had done all these things to get his whole sister a date, um, which like when he like drives her home or whatever, and he's really annoyed when like she's going out with Joey at when she's hanging, well she's hanging just hanging with Joey at the party, and it was like frustrating because in a lot of these films, especially where it's like a teenage boy who like wants to get like this this popular girl, he feels like he does all these things and he's like. And you're not you're not reciprocating. Like, why aren't you liking me back? I'm doing all these things. Like, she has, she didn't ask you to do any of this. Like, y- you decided to, and it didn't work. And she didn't end up liking you. In the end. like, that's not that's not her problem. Um, and that personally was really annoying to me. And I know that's a, like a thing that's pervasive in a lot of other films, specifically when it's like a nerdy guy going for like a more popular type of girl, and that's frustrating. But yeah, I will add though to all of this, uh, there is still something to like. Yes, I I pride myself of someone who's critical of situations, but at the same time, like I want to sit in front of the movie and I just want to be like rooting for this heteronormative situation and being like, yes, like go for it. you know what I mean. Like there's something in which which I think is part of the reason. Like, rom-coms wouldn't be successful if if people didn't enjoy them if they were ever problematic. You know what I mean? So, yeah. there is still something in me that, like, wants to be defensive about this relationship or this boy or this girl or, like, whatever it is. Um, yeah. So, I, I just wanted to put that out there. I'm sure I'm not the only one. Or maybe I am the only one. I don't know. But... In in thinking about all of this, I wanted to you know validate that for for you know existence. So moving on from the idea of sort of these idealized relationships and the gender norms and all those things that are present in these movies and many more, um, they all sort of beg the question of representation. Like, is it important? Like, why does it even matter if women are represented in this way or? Um, relationships are represented in this way if like it's just a movie um and when we were when we personally were thinking about this episode and thinking about representation the two big things that came to mind were sexuality and race um which also is sort of a disclaimer like again theoretically this depends on which rom-coms you watch like all of this theoretically depends on which rom-coms you watch um 
but we'll sort of be talking about this in the context of these three and sprinkling in like whatever else we have seen but generally I think they're sort of general principles that regardless of whatever the movie tries to do to skirt these topics or address these issues um like you can only they still these they still exist um does anyone want to start um yeah i i can start um about specifically talking about representation in race um something that i know a lot of people talk about is um obviously if you if you look at if you search just rom-coms on google and you get the top results most of them will feature a white protagonist falling in love with another white person um and that is pretty prevalent throughout the whole genre of movies i mean obviously well there are some films which are like to black protagonists but they're not usually as mainstream or well-known or um just two protagonists of color but those movies just aren't as well known as seen as iconic really as the ones where it's two white people um and when there is like a person of color protagonist usually if there is an interracial relationship it usually is with white person like uh which interracial relationships is not just a person of color and a white person and but that's often how it goes when in rom-coms which i know a lot of people find really frustrating so yeah i think something that's interesting um that you say that is i kind of think of the like rom-coms that we listed and we thought of and at least of the ones i've watched the like increase in diversity has been asian american characters primarily um which I don't know we can definitely talk about race and like closeness to whiteness and there's definitely something there and maybe it's also a bias in like what I choose to watch but I don't think I've ever watched a rom-com with a non-Asian person of color as the lead the only like kind of exception is to all the boys I love before too where John Ambrose McLaren comes into the second movie but like I, I would say like you kind of said like there is more diversity, but also not real. Like there is more, but it's not like cl- it's clearly not for everyone by any means. And I think what Julia said about like those are not. I th- you use the word iconic, which I think is a really good word, just in that like those movies exist and like th- or they don't. But like even if even if those movies exist, those aren't the movies that are going to become, like, the first thing on all the lists when you Google, like, rom-coms. Um, so regardless of whether they exist, the fact that they're not, sort of the, the idea of a rom-com is that it's this, like, perfect relationship and not, not perfect in that the relationship works out perfectly, but this, like, sweet relationship that you sort of, that's idealized and and the iconic movies are all about these idealized relationships and if the idealized relationship is always going to be two white people like or a white man and a white woman like that's regardless of whether other movies exist if though if if those movies aren't getting out there those aren't the relationships that that you know are being idealized in the ways that 
that rom-coms usually idealize relationships. Um, and then the other thing we talked about, which we've sort of touched on throughout everything we've been talking about, is sexuality, and that these relationships are almost always, like, that it's all all these movies are heteronormative and these relationships are almost always between a man and a woman and when they aren't like that like if you think of like love simon which was like a, a mainstream enough movie that was not between a man and a woman like even that um the point of the movie is about the fact that it wasn't between a man and a woman if that makes sense like um, so yeah, I don't know if people, like, have things to touch on. I know that in the kissing booth, we were watching that one together, and we all sort of commented there are two, like, moments where they're really trying to, you know, get that representation in there. There's a moment at the kissing booth, there's literally one clip. Like, this guy probably didn't even get paid anything because he didn't talk in the movie, <laughs> but where they have, like, two lines at the kissing booth, and one is for a a guy and one is for a girl and the like a boy in the crowd like gets in the in the line to kiss the guy and like looks around and everyone looks at him and then there's also a moment at at the prom where there are like two men who are wearing they're wearing like colored bow ties which sort of distinguishes them from everyone else and they're like looking at each other and it's like oh my goodness there's a moment there's a gay moment you've succeeded 2018 film I, on that, it's like, specifically with the kissing booth, I didn't even notice the thing about the ties. I apparently just wasn't paying attention to that. But his whole character was like, looking around and giving people looks. And it's like, oh, he's gay. You see them like looking at each other and you're like, they're looking at like, and you're like, oh, diversity, love it. And it's like, that's like the bail minimum. Like he... I don't, I don't, we don't, does he have a name besides, like, gay, gay, like, on the credits, gay character one, like, that's possibly (laughs) what it said, um, which is, like, annoying, and it's, like, thrown in there, and one thing that's a little different, but, like, with, uh, early 2000s or 90s movies, rom-coms, or kind of, like, these iconic movies, sometimes, um, I'll be watching it and then there'll be a moment where they'll do something, say something like offensive or like homophobic, like kind of just blatantly. And I'll be like, whoa, and I'll be like, oh, I forgot what time period, <laughs> time period, like it was that, what year this was made in. Um, well, it was a bit more like fashionable with saying that and getting away with it and the movie still being known as like being really great, um, which uh, is just interesting to think about and one final point but um you're talking about love simon and uh like queer rom-coms um it was a big deal when love simon was coming out because you know it was a love story between uh two guys and uh i saw it i like love simon but a big critique that is that people say about love simon is it was a gay rom-com created for straight people um and they mean this in the sense of like yes it's between a guy and a guy but like his opening monologue is like i'm just like you and it's like 
yeah, because you're like a person, but like, you're, but you, I understand in the context of like, oh, I'm just like you, I'm just kind of like a straight person. I just like guys. And it's like, that's like an annoying framework that you have to live in. Like, yeah, like, yes, the general goal, we'll just like each other because we're all human, right? But like, those people, he wasn't just like you. Like, being queer is a distinct identity, and it still speaks to like the heteronormative like framework that persists even in this mainstream queer rom-com. And that's what made it mainstream. That helped popularize it, and that helped it go down easy um, when movie theaters, you know, all across the country are showing this movie. And correct me if I'm wrong, but like, it also, like the way like he was presented or like his characteristics made him seem very palatable. There's a whole other character in the movie that's supposed to be different. Like, like there's yeah. that whole other guy. Those you know, like the guy. flamboyant gay guy. Yeah. And he has that whole dream sequence where he's like dancing and those musical number and those like gay pride flags or whatever. And he's like, I'm not that out of the closet or I'm not yeah. that gay. And it's like, that's the moments where I think people were really critiquing the movie and being like, hey, that's, what, what are you trying to say about people who are gay in that way? Like, what, what are you trying to say about that? I think. Yeah. And I think I think it's also if we're if if we're talking about like queer relationships and we're we discuss like is this a rom com or is it not? But like the half of it, which came out um, at the beginning of May, which is like this this gay um, Asian American girl, um, another coming of age story, as these all are. When we think about like the re- representation in race and uh, like sexuality, I don't know if you've seen it or have thoughts on it, but. I just wanted to throw that in there, that it happened. Yeah, I I was also entertained. Like it it I don't think it was a rom com in the way we think of like most common rom coms because like it, I mean no one really ended up with I mean this is another spoiler I apologize no one ended up with anyone in the end, um, but uh, I think. I think, like, it being a queer rom-com is important. Is important. Um, (laughs) But, um, I don't know. I I think think she was doing something there with not necessarily giving, like, a happy ending. Not necessarily a sad ending, but just not the happy ending you usually expect after a rom-com. Um, but, like, talking about that just a little bit, um, the whole notion of, like, uh, pretending to be someone else and then garnering their affection and then, like, you also falling in love with them. I know that's a trope that happens in several rom-coms, um, half of it being one of them. Um, there's another Netflix movie, like, Sierra Burgess. Sierra Yeah. I haven't I don't know how to say her first name. Is a loser. I started watching it. Um... And this this is kind of tangenty, like about those two movies and about that trope. But like that movie, I couldn't finish because it was just too like oh, like catfishing in like a way that is like just unacceptable. <laughs> um, well, it was like I don't know how you could possibly recover from this in a person's eyes when they learn it's actually you. Which, well, uh, in the half of it, it's like. 
a little different, but still, like, of a similar theme. Um, but that there's these, like, moments in rom-coms with, like, those... The, <laughs> this falls moments in. in rom-coms. I'm so sorry. I literally... I don't know what my... Something, but something dropped. I, I hope she's fine. But back to the same. <laughs> there's these shenanigans in um, rom-coms. Well, it's like sometimes you're watching them and you're like, I don't know how realistically when it's over, like once they know, like how do you recover from that in their eyes? Like I, that's something that I think about a lot in several rom-coms. 10 Things I Hate About You kind of has that, like that arc with her learning that he was paid to take her out, but then he like forgives her. It's like, well, I mean, she forgives him and the poem part i think i was i think there was deeper meaning to it that has to do with the original shakespeare but i'll be honest i was listening to it and i was like this is such a late addition to be the name of this movie but maybe i was i did not understand the name of the movie was did that have to do with the poem yeah her poem was like i I hate i hate i hate i hate and i assume there were 10 things uh that's Um, what i was oh i missed that but I, I didn't understand that. And like, I knew it was for the poetry assignment. And maybe there's something about the Shakespeare po- poem that she was supposed to emulate that spoke to it a bit more. But it, I just personally didn't understand it. This might be me showing my ignorance and my lack of cultural awareness. <sighs> but it was something, it kind of went like over my head, you know? I think one final thing I would like to touch on before we uh, leave this representation of rom coms is also like the, the type of people that are represented i guess like the like the body type in in all three movies we watched i think like the idea of having like a an attractive figure and that like idea of attractive varies a little bit but it's like skinny but has boobs and a butt and like that was like critical to two of these movies was puberty and like the fact that they suddenly had these features and in like legally blonde she was already supposed to be seen as like very attractive and like as if like this is only possible like you have to be attractive to i I don't know exactly what it's saying but the point is that it primarily only shows very attractive people yeah and real quickly like touching on that like this is obviously an issue with like Hollywood in general of like choosing specific people to like specific body types to be actors and actresses in shows, um, usually very attractive, good looking, skinny or muscular if you're like a guy um, for like this love interest because it's supposed to be like this ideal person, so hot, oh my god. Um, and it excludes a lot of people because... There's a lot of people who, the a lot, there's a lot more people whose bodies probably don't look like that than do. Um, and I know Netflix was trying to do something with Sierra Burgess because some p- angle was like, oh, she's not like a skinny um, girl. Um, and that's, that's like a, an angle of like rom-coms we haven't seen but then people hate the movie, so it kind of fell flat. Um, and there's this other movie, which I don't think is necessarily a rom-com, but it was a movie I actually really enjoyed called Dumplin, Dumpling, which is on Netflix, um, which if you haven't watched, I recommend. But uh, I'm not too sure. It's, it's kind of a rom-com. There is a, a love aspect to it, but that's not like the whole point of it. Um, but 
I know that's something that is, yeah, just another aspect. Also of the hiring of like older people to play younger high schoolers um, because then they're really attractive. But then it comes to like, so they can like sexualize teenagers in a way but not feel uncomfortable doing it because they've act because they haven't actually casted teenagers, which is another aspect of that, which is like uh, it makes you like uncomfortable. And also one of the one of the actors in Never Have I Ever, which is another like rom com type TV show, like the actress the the lead was like six seventeen maybe, and one of the actors was twenty nine, and it's like. I'm sorry, like, I, I, like, I, there is so much to say about that, that I have, like, nothing to say about, like, like, that create, I mean, that, as, as you guys said, like, that, like, kind of changes what we idealize, and, like, for what high schoolers idealize, but also, like, how do you film that movie in a non-creepy way, like, I don't think that's possible, like, yeah, yeah, for sure, there's this other show, that was I honestly forget what the name it was but there was this really young girl playing one of the characters and this uh older other character um and like they would love interests and they would like kiss and people were like oh that's like sweet obviously but then they looked at the ages was like that's so uncomfortable to watch like what this that like why they shouldn't like they had to kiss on screen they had to kiss on camera like that's uncomfortable to kind of imagine so age gaps that's uncomfortable so yeah Ty, did you want to touch on, I see you've added rom-coms influence on pop culture, or I assume that was you because it says TikTok songs. I guess that's not really necessarily a fair assumption. (laughs) Oh, I just, I just think like when we talk, like before we like wrap up by talking about what we like about rom-coms, I think it's important that we like kind of just touch on like the cultural influence that they have, like Legally Blonde, like I had never seen it, but I still knew iconic lines from it before this week. And, like, I don't know, my uh, we talked about in the TikTok episode that Julia and I use TikTok a fair bit. And, like, the first thing I noticed about both um, 10 Things I Hate About You and Legally Blonde was that the intro songs <laughs> are very popular TikTok audios. And so, like, it's, it was kind of just interesting to see, like, how great an influence these movies can have on pop culture. And I think it goes to show that, like, even if, like – it shouldn't like we want to enjoy things because we don't want everything to have like a huge message like whether or not they want to have like whether like they still have an influence on pop culture and that is relevant um because like people are still consuming it and idealizing it and that that is something we should be aware of yeah that is that's a good point that no matter like no matter what we say about like like pop culture will become pop culture like movies are gonna get out into the world and uh people are gonna receive them different ways and they're gonna have different impacts regardless of you know what you were intending when you when you created the movie so to move on to our to our final topic for this episode we've been talking about all these not so great things about rom-coms yet still 
you know, I want to watch another one. Like, you still enjoy them. Like, (laughs) how and why is it that we still find them entertaining and we still want to watch them and they keep coming back in this... This great article I read um, was talking about how, especially, like, they've made a a more recent comeback. Um, So, yeah. Like, is is it that they're relatable? Because they're obviously not relatable to everyone. And do they teach us something? Are we even looking for them to teach us something? Like, is there a goal in watching a rom-com? Or is it just, like, you're just sitting there and being passive? Like... What what are people's thoughts? Um, I I personally I think it it has to do that people want. It. I think in general movies are a space where you can escape, uh, like reality in a sense, and just be in a space where almost anything is possible. Um, and rom coms do that. Uh, but the, specifically they kind of show us an idealized version of love. In a lot of uh, times, which, you know, I won't say everyone, but uh, a lot of people, you know, people love love, right? It's cute. It's cute to see two people slowly start to have feelings for each other um, and then start to date because maybe we're looking for that in our own lives, um, which is, you know, fun and all. uh, But it may not be as easy in our lives as it is on a TV screen and I think it's fun to be able to, like, imagine that love is so simple. Um, oh, in some movies, it's, like, complicated, but, like, simple in the sense it's within an, it's confined within an hour and 40 minutes, right? And that that is, I think, what rom-coms do for people. I also just, like, some, I know we've been, like, talking about the tropes in these movies and sometimes really bashing them specifically, The Kissing Booth. But um, I want to talk about some of the relationships I really liked in these movies I really liked Kat and Patrick um I sit there and I was I was like rooting for them like yeah he was being paid but like they were cute and like it's like those moments where it's like sometimes you root for problematic things like he like yes he was being paid and like technically you didn't know his true like intentions throughout parts of the movies but they were cute together they looked nice together I was like oh it's so cute love I want someone to love me like that and you're like yay yeah I think it's also like something that I'm thinking about is like you talked about like the desire to be loved and I think it's like as I think about that like that is something we develop at a very young age I feel like like I feel like this is a like like rom-coms are not standalone in our society and I feel like like you know even like girls at young ages like are taught that like they want their prince or like maybe they're not taught that but they pick that up from like the princess stories that they like watch or read or whatever and so I think it's also because from a young age we're taught like that we want to be loved or that like that's an ideal situation and I think that like as a reflection of that and it's like even when we're younger like when we were young like people our age watch like high school musical and so that by the time we get to high school we're like okay so like when is when is my relationship gonna show up like I'm ready um and so I I think that rom-coms like fill that like I've continued that idealized journey that like we're taught when we're younger and kind of show us like oh like it's possible in high school I don't know 
Because they're just um, supposed to be like feel good stories. And if they're not done yeah. terribly wrong, even if there are some problems, like they can still make people feel good, better at least. Yeah. So I think we've really wrung these through dry. I would I would recommend watching I would highly recommend Legally Blonde. I think I think if you're listening to this podcast, unfortunately you have to like rent it. But it's $4. I've spent $4 on a lot of things before. This is definitely one that I really think I got my money's worth on my $4. So I would recommend Legally Blonde. I would not recommend The Kissing Booth. Don't waste your time. <laughs> I, I, I would. I would recommend The Kissing Booth, but not alone. Watch it with friends who you like to like sit and make commentary on movies with. And like, obviously, if we can't do it together right now, but do it in like a Netflix party. I find that to be really fun. So in that sense, I recommend The Kissing Booth. I have to agree. If you have any uh, feedback for us, you can always follow our Instagram at in the cute podcast, or you could honestly email us if you felt so moved to, yeah. which is podcastinthecue at gmail. Yeah, send us, send us your favorite rom-coms. And maybe Do it, we'll watch yeah, them. and then we'll have a response. We'll have <laughs> yeah. to watch them. Anyway, thank you for listening to this episode of In the Queue. Have a a great day. Have a great, great day. I'm not sure why I said it like that. Why did you? (laughs) You know, maybe that can be cut. Maybe that can be cut. (laughs) We want to take a moment to thank everyone who made this broadcast possible. Thank you to our faculty advisor for their support. And to Dylan A. on Spotify and YouTube for letting us use his music. Thank you for listening.